you want to take a moment, make sure your cell phones are off or on silent. That'll be a blessing. I don't have a New Year's joke for you. Hopefully, come back next Sunday. I'll give you two. Amen? Make up for it. 2 Samuel chapter 23. These be the names of the mighty men whom David had. The Tachmanite that sat in the seat. Chief among the captains. The same was Adino the Esnite. He lifted up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite, one of the three mighty men with David. When they defied the Philistines that were there gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary. And his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day. And the people returned after him only to spoil. Take note of the next verse. And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Hararite. And the Philistines were gathered together in a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils. And the people fled from before the Philistines. First Chronicles chapter 11. Very similar. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite, who was one of the three mighties. He was with David at Pazdamum. And there the Philistines were gathered together to battle. Where was a parcel full, excuse me, a parcel of ground full of barley. And the people fled from before the Philistines. And they set themselves in the midst of that parcel and delivered it and slew the Philistines. And the Lord saved them by a great deliverance. I want to preach to you this morning with the help of God on a, a title, The Time to Take a Stand. The time to take a stand. Reverend Hill, would you please pray over our message and messenger. Amen. You may be seated. We had, uh, we had two groups yesterday that testified at the end of the year and the beginning of the new year. And I said that this morning. We hear the other ministers. So we'd like to have Reverend Tuhig stand and testify. Turn that mic on for us, please. You got that? <laughs> Testing. There we Here go. it is. It's working great. Uh, I felt like I felt like a Coke bottle this morning. Pastor did mention last night that some people would get to testify, and uh, something about in me felt like I was going to be one of them. And so I felt like a Coke bottle, being all shook up, ready to be open. 
did all school, you know, and, and I thought about uh, what, what I could say and this, that, and the other thing. And, and, and with all in that, I, I was reading my Bible reading this morning. I would, never did finish my last year's Bible reading, and I wasn't uh, sad about it or anything. I was savoring it. I was enjoying it. If I got behind it a little bit, you know, it's not the first time I've read it. But I enjoy it more and more every year the more I get to read it. So this morning I went ahead and, and clicked over into uh, the new Bible reading for this year. And my thoughts were there's four different uh, places where you start in, in this Bible reading this year. And I, my thought came, why did this man choose this book of the Bible to start in and this book of the Bible to start in? And that book of the Bible to start in. And the Holy Ghost said, Genesis is the beginning when God created the first man. Matthew was the next chapter to read in the New Testament. And that was talking about the second Adam, Jesus Christ. Amen. And then he went back to Ezra, where Ezra was the king of kings on earth. And God spoke to Ezra to let his people go back to rebuild the walls. And then you come back into the New Testament in the book of Acts where this wishy-washy Peter, all right now, this wishy-washy Peter that denied the Lord on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost came down, he's the one that God chose to be his spokesman, and he said, this is that which is spoken of by the prophet Joel that I pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And you know, that's why we're here this morning, is to hear the Word of God. The Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And Jesus said, and James said, don't deceive yourself, being a hearer only, but be a doer of the Word. And I'm looking forward to being a doer in 2023, starting this morning. Amen. Run that back there to your wife. Then we want Sister Tuhig to testify. I just want to say thank you for God, what he's done to my life. You know, in the first time I got saved, I don't know about, you know, when I was a sinner, first time I started to go in the church, you know, all the preaching, why he knows, he knows what I'm doing. Why this preaching he knows what I'm doing? Because I do the wrong thing, so that's not, when I got saved, I thanks God that he saved me, changed my life, and now I'm so thankful that I'm here. God answered my prayer. I just want to be thankful for Pastor and Sister Deponshire, to ministers in the Philippines. So thank God that I'm here, and thankful for God. I'm really, get me get saved. Amen. Jew, bring it to Reverend Sister Schaefer, please. Reverend Sister Schaefer. Sister Schaefer, would you testify, please? Sister, I was going to end with Reverend, but however you want to do it. We got, we got the, just the ministers this morning. Thank you. Right, thank you. Amen. Okay. Amen. So I'm glad Sister Two Higgs happy to be here. Amen. Uh, we didn't drive her away. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> so I uh, thought I would share uh, with you an illustration that I shared the other day with the uh, home group. Uh, 
think maybe you'll remember it because it's kind of corny. I was telling uh, Reverend uh, Douglas the other day, I said, serving God, being a Christian is like an electric bicycle. He said, what in the world are you talking about, Brother Schaefer? And I said, well, <clears throat> I said, a car has a motor in the front. Motorcycle has a motor under the gas tank. Electric bike has a motor in the center of the wheel. And I said, the, in the center of the wheel is a gear called the sun gear. And the sun gear spins, and it uh, has the planetary gears around it. And the planetary gears spin when the sun spins. And they uh, are attached to the hub, and the hub spins when the planetary gears spin. And I said, <clears throat> the spokes are attached to the wheel and the hub. And I said, the spokes are uh, prayer, Bible reading, attending church, and fellowship. Amen. Amen. And those spokes have to be in place if you're a Christian. Amen. Otherwise, you're going nowhere. Amen. But there are other spokes on the wheel if you're a Christian. There's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, and faith. Amen. And those spokes have to be, uh, need to be in place also. But the key is that the, all of the uh, planets, there's only one that God chose, amen. amen. But uh, in order to have life, you have to have the sun. Amen. Amen. And, uh, you know, I was saying, well, now, what if the planetary gear said, well, uh, we don't need the sun. We can do this. We can power this thing on our own. And uh, I was thinking of the words of Jesus. Jesus said, without me, you can do precisely nothing, right? For I am the vine and you are the branches. And unless the branch abides in the vine, it can produce no fruit, right? And so uh, that reminded me of another verse of scripture, and that is, <clears throat> imagine this for just a second, okay? Because uh, I remember Chris one time, he said he was afraid of the fire, and he said, Mom, turn it off, turn it off. And uh, just imagine if the sun was turned off, okay? Now listen, compare that to this verse of scripture. Jesus said, if the light that be in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And I want to share that with you. Maybe you'll remember it because it's corny. But we need the Lord if we are going to move forward. Amen. Sister Schaefer. Sister Schaefer, if you could briefly, if you'd like. Briefly, please. I just thank God because I know he loves me. And he's been so good to me this year. And there have been some really strange things that have happened in my life. But God's using these things to help me. And Amen. And uh it's helped our relationship with our daughter as well, and and I just I just love God. <laughs> I thank, Amen. Thank God Amen. for all He's doing. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Turn that off, please. But bring it up. All right. We appreciate the ministers that work with us. They don't always get a chance to testify at the beginning of the year. I wanted to give them that opportunity, and uh, we had a couple of them last night and a couple this morning. We got one more. He's teaching downstairs. Maybe you'll hear from him tonight. But uh, glad again for everybody here this morning. I want to um, read that one verse more, and that is in the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 23, and it said this. But he stood 
in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory. Again, I'm preaching to you this morning on a, les- a message entitled, Time to Take a Stand. Now let me get your attention. Come on, let's start mobile right off the bat. Let me get your attention this morning. In our Bible reading, there was a group of soldiers, enemies, that were coming to take what looked to be a worthless piece of ground. It was a bean patch. It didn't have great skyscrapers on it. It wasn't known to have treasure chests in it. It was just a bean patch. And yet we find that in the midst of this time, there were those soldiers coming to take it, and there were the allied soldiers that were fleeing. They were running. For most of their mind, I'm sure they would say, why in the world should I risk my life? Oh, glad to see you. For a bean patch. That's why I come up here. I see people I haven't seen before. Amen. God bless you, Bobby. Good to see you. Why would you risk your life for a bean patch? And they all left. But there was one who stood. David, the king. David stood when everybody else left. And he said, I want to fight for this piece of ground. Now, when he stood, somebody who was fleeing turned behind and saw that the king was still standing. And his stand influenced that man by the name of Shammah to come and stand with him. Now, David's got someone to watch his back. David could fight on this side, and he had Shammah to fight on this side. And the Bible said with those two men and God's grace, they won the victory that day. Now, i got to give you the setting so you understand where we're going. See, why was that piece of ground important to them? For most folks, it wouldn't be very important. It's just a bean patch. But you see, to the person... That first found the land. To the person who first set up the landmarks and the boundaries, scoping it out, saying, my land is going to go to this point, and then over to there. And then once they did that, they went back and they began to clear the land, removing the the rocks, digging out the trees and the roots. They put a lot of sweat and effort into that patch of beans. And then even when they were done, laying out the landmarks, removing the the rocks, removing the trees, then they had to plant it. And if you've ever planted a garden, you know that it doesn't stop there, does it? you got to water it. you got to pull the weeds. you got to defend it from the deer. Amen. And the rabbits, you got to put a fence around it or something because the the varmints are going to come in and eat your crop. So it's a constant vigilance to make sure that one day you're going to have a crop. But you're doing it not just for you, but for your future. You understand this is going to feed my family, my son's family, and their family. 
And so for the person who had dug it out and the person that had lined out the landmarks and the person that had removed the stones and the person that had dug out the trees and the person that had planted it and the person that had defended it and watered it and weeded it and uh, uh, fertilized it and that watched over it, it meant something to them. So when everybody else was fleeing, that one said, wait a second, I can't run because this means something. I must stand. When everybody else was leaving. Now, I got three bean patches I want to talk to you about this morning. First, it's God's bean patch. What is God's bean patch? His bean patch is the world. God so loved the world. God created the world. And God is good at making boundaries, isn't he? He set the sand and told the ocean, up to here and no further. And every now and then when the ocean tries to push beyond it, every grain of sand says, you got to go back. Because God set me as a boundary. God set a boundary to the night. It's called the dawn. Aren't you glad for the dawn? You ever spent the night all night long waiting for the dawn? And when the first gleam of dawn comes, man, it's like a load is lifted, isn't it? Night, you can only come this far and no more. God set a boundary to the seasons. Aren't you glad there's an end of winter? (laughs) I'm already thinking about spring. 99 days till Easter. Did you know that? Already thinking about spring. And there comes a time. (laughs) Now that boundary shifts a little bit, doesn't it? Sometimes in March, sometimes in April when the cold weather stops and says, up to this point, winter, you've got to end. Thank God winter's got to end. God sets a bound to time too, doesn't he? We're in a new year, aren't we? How many of you tried last year to save time? But you know what? You can't bring not one minute of 2022 into 2023, can you? Not one hour. I'm going to stash this away. I'm going to pull it out the snack art of the new year. <laughs> you can't do that. God said, that's the end. Our trip around the sun is over. And you can't bring anything from the past into the new year. There's a boundary that God crossed off. And then God in his bean patch, he began to set some boundaries not only in, 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 in this world... But he began to dig out some things. He began to plant some things. He, he brought us the, the creatures, the animals, and the, the fauna, and the flora, and all of the beauty of creation. And he lays it out there. And, and uh, I like what the writer said in Genesis. If you are going to be reading with us in our Bible reading schedule, we encourage you to. It's about four chapters a day uh, or so. It will get you through the, the Old Testament once, the New Testament twice this year. We encourage you to read with us. Open up the Bible. Find out what it says. But everything that God created, the Bible said, and it was good. It was good. It was good. Aren't you glad it's good? Sometimes mama may make something and it's not good. <laughs> Sometimes papa may cook something. It's not good. Then the kiddos said, it's dad's turn to eat. Let's go out to breakfast. Amen. Dad's turn to cook. Let's go out to breakfast. Amen. God said abound. And he dug it out. He set order from our chaos. He digged out the world. And whenever something began to mess up that order, 
God restored it. After the flood, because a man sinned, God restored order. He put a rainbow in the cloud, not to represent homosexuality, but to represent the covenant that he made with mankind that he would not flood the world again. God said, this means something to me, and so I'm not going to give up on this world. Look at the times when mankind has messed up. Mankind opened the door to sin and chaos. But someone took a stand. There was a Moses who said, by God's help, I'll lead these people out of bondage into the promised land. Someone took a stand. There was a Noah who said, by God's grace, we'll build an ark, and I will uh, create a place, a safe space for my family, and save this family, and save the world, because someone took a stand. Are you still with me? After all of his work, man had allowed the devil and sin to plant weeds in God's bean patch. And sometimes you don't know what you get until the fruit comes out. Sometimes people get upset about the seeds that you're planting. They don't like the fact that we might teach about a separation between men and women. That there are different roles. That a man is to lead his family. He is to provide for his family. He is to protect his family. That a woman was to raise up her children and and love and reverence her husband. And she should honor and obey him. The Bible, the Bible teaches clearly, and sometimes people don't like it when you say, hey, listen, there's a role for a man. He's not supposed to be wearing a dress and, and pink underwear, and there's a role for a woman. She's not supposed to be wearing a concrete uh, uh, boots and uh, brogan shoes and driving road packers. That's not the role. Come on, some of you godly ladies, help me out. You all got quiet on me. You're fleeing the bean patch when your pastor's trying to take a stand. Help me out this morning. We teach about men and women being separate, that we're different, different in our roles, different in our clothes, different in our characteristics. Listen, I'm not one another man to be with. I like my wife. I'm glad she's different. I don't like dudes that way, amen? And I would say that most godly men, most godly women are going to say, if you're a godly woman, you're saying, I don't want some other woman. Let me have a man that I can count on when there's a bump in the night. Honey, you go check it out. (laughs) Amen? Come on now. The world mocked our landmarks. They didn't like the fact that God set out boundaries. And they don't like the fact that we set out boundaries. They don't like the seeds that are planted, but they sure don't like the fruit, do they? The fruit of what they've planted. And now you find rampant ungodliness and perversion. People have been so given over to their lusts. I don't even want to talk about some of it. Let me go. And what? Did the world think that somehow... Taking away the differences was somehow going to elevate womanhood. But in reality, God had already set women on an elevated plane. And when the world comes around and tries to somehow equalize it, they have devalued women. Are you still here? 
And now you ask most people in the world, what is a woman? And they won't even define it for you. Are you still with me? God didn't give up on the world. In each generation, he would find someone to take a stand. A Moses who would lead them out of bondage. A Noah who would build an ark. And a David who realized that bean patch meant something. It was worth fighting for. That's the bean patch of the world. But we've got a bean patch in our heart, don't we? We've got a place within us. Though God had created us without sin, man and the devil conspired to plant the seeds of sin. And after Adam and Eve had sinned, every man, every woman born after them was born in sin. The weeds of selfishness and pride, arrogance and lust uh, continued to propagate through their lives. You don't have to teach a child to be generous. I mean, selfish, you have to teach a child to be generous. You have to teach them to tell the truth because inherently there is sin inside that child. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, the Bible said. We are born in sin, shaping in iniquity. And you know what? I wouldn't blame God for turning away from mankind and saying, you know what? I've had enough of you. Every time you've messed up, I've come by and I've picked up the pieces. Every time you've failed, I've come by and cleaned it all up and started over again. And what do I get for it? You do it over and over and over again. I wouldn't blame God for saying, you know what? I'm through with man. But I'm so glad he didn't. I'm so glad he didn't give up on this bean patch. It means something to him. He righted our wrongs. He picked up our messes. And so he sent Jesus. When mankind had sinned and there was no other way, Jesus said, I will come into that bean patch of man's heart and I will build a boundary around it. I will remove the stones. I will plant the seed of God. I will water it with my spirit and the word of God. I will defend it from sin and temptation. I will make that bean patch of man's heart different. When the world wants to flee because it's too much mess. Now, come on, be honest. Hasn't there been a time in your life when you've looked at your own heart and you said, man, this is messed up. What am I going to do? But God said, don't you give up. Don't you take your own life. Don't you stop serving God. Don't you give up on your marriage. Don't you give up on you serving God. Don't you do that. I will help you. And there's something about somebody standing next to you when you take a stand. Something about what Reverend preached, God's got your back. Amen. And yet when God has cleaned up the bean patch of our heart, he poured his spirit into it. Jesus died for us. Did you know in the Old Testament, yep, do it again. In the Old Testament, when an enemy would come, and Shechem had happened, Reverend, once they conquered the land, they took salt, and they sowed the salt in the fields. You know why? Can't grow anything when you've got salt in the fields. Now, isn't that what's happened in so many hearts and minds? The world has come around and said, there is no God. 
You're an idiot to believe that. You mean I'm an idiot to believe there's a God that has control and created us with feelings and emotions and a sense of right and wrong. But you're not an idiot to believe that all of this beautiful world came out of nothing by chance. That's idiocy. That's stupidity. To believe that there is no God is to believe that everything was created by nothing. That doesn't make sense. There was a God that spoke it into the world. There was a God that made it alive. And there is a God that has requirements, expectations of us. God created this world as a bean patch, set boundaries, planted the right things. God came into our heart, set boundaries, cleaned us up. When things have gone wrong, God said, don't you give up. Don't you surrender. And when everybody's fleeing, it's just too much. God's saying, I'm going to stand. There's going to be a time in 2023, you got to take a stand. It's going to be a time in your life, in your family, you're going to have to take a stand. You're not going to be popular. Get used to it. They're going to say you're an idiot. They're going to say you're, you're a bigot. They're going to say all kinds of crazy things just because you're serving God. You won't get high with them. You won't sleep with them because it's not your husband or not your wife. You won't cheat because you know it's not right. You won't lie. You won't, your mouth isn't filled with cursing because God has changed you. And if you're constantly cursing, there's a good evidence that you have not been changed. not cool. Some teenagers that think it's, I'm going to be adult. I'm going to be grown up. I'm going to start cursing. That's a shame to the adults that they have become so defiled that they teach their children that way. I'm not saying that every teenager learns it from their parent, but adults should be doing better. And children learn. Teenagers learn. That's not cool or grown up. It's defiled. It's against God. It's degraded. Yet God, though he has cleaned up the bean patch of our heart, he gives the cultivation and the protection of it to us. Now, when mankind has had their heart sown with salt, meaning all of the doubts of the world that says there is no God and you don't have to serve God and you might as well have sex and and eat, drink, be merry, do all that you want because after this life there is nothing else. When that has been sowed in the hearts of men and women, what happens to a field that's had salt sown in it? It can't, it can't grow anything. But, I researched it this morning. But, if that same field is well watered, the rain will begin to take the salt and leach it out. And after a couple of years, it can be planted and used again. And I thought about that. You know, sometimes people have been poisoned by this world. But if we can just get them into the house of God, if we can just get them under the teaching and the preaching of God's word, if God's spirit can just begin to pour down, brother, it can be one Holy Ghost shower that can wash away all those doubts, one Holy Ghost service that can take away all of that garbage and make their heart ready to be planted with God's word. But God needs some people that will stand. God needs some people that won't flee, that will pluck the weeds of self and pride, that will water their heart with the word of God, that will 
protect against the attacks that would divide brothers and sisters. We can't give in to that. We must fence and keep away the wild animals of lust, pornography, the degrading effects of profanity, the dulling and death-dealing work of laziness. Your house doesn't get clean by itself, does it? Man, wouldn't that be cool? You wake up in the morning, your carpets were vacuumed. Now we got a little Roomba, robot vacuum, but it doesn't do the job. You just, you know, it, it just doesn't make it all over the place. Amen? I wish it did. I wish we had a robot dish dealer, a dishwasher. Amen? <laughs> somebody's got to do the dishes. Somebody's got to buy the food. Somebody's got to sweep this up. Somebody's got to clean up after the animals. Somebody's got to iron the clothes and wash them and do it again. It doesn't get done by itself. There's work involved. In your life, there's work involved. If you this year say, man, I want to close the door on 2022 and begin 2023 different, it won't be different if you're not willing to do a a few things. Number one, commit to doing the things, the hard work that brings change. To hear about it, to think about it, it's not enough. You got to write it down. I'm going to be different. I got a few here that I can give you. What are, what are some good things that I could do? Well, what about you can make up in your mind, you know what? I'm going to be on time for church. That's a good thing. I'm going to, be, I'm going to honor God by being in church before. Did you know it started at 11 a.m.? Some folks didn't know that. <laughs> I like what Reverend Tuig said. Some folks don't know that we pray at the beginning of service. Because they're never there for church. Amen. At the beginning of service. That's a good thing. That's something easy. Hey, I can, I, can, I can commit to being on time. What about this? Whatever stage you're at, let me level up. So if I'm an occasional church person, let me commit to making church every Sunday. If I'm a Sunday only attender, let me go to the next level. Let me commit to coming to two services a week, a Sunday and maybe a Bible study. If I'm a two-a-week person, let me commit to going three a week. Now, if you're a four-a-week person, you can't go backwards, amen? If you already know the right thing, you can't go back. (laughs) We're talking about leveling up, not leveling down, amen? (laughs) But what I want to do is just encourage you, wherever you're at, take one step. Sometimes you look way up there and say, man, that's impossible. But you can take one step. Let me ask you this. This is interesting, Reverend Love. Do you believe you could lift a million pounds? If I would ask you that, I'm with you. I'd say, no, can't happen. But you know, you get those things in your, in your apps that do your yearly review. I have a little, little, uh, little physical fitness app. And it told me, here's your year in review, 2022. You lifted one million something pounds. And I said, what? Now my son and I, we do a little weight lifting, you know, little curls and this, just to kind of keep fit. And I said, Really? Because if you do 30 pounds 10 times, that's 300 pounds. And you do three sets of that, that's like 900 pounds. And it counted it all together. I said, man, look at that. Little things accumulated to make a big difference. Amen. 
And so little things, you say, I really want to grow in God, then make a commitment. I'm going to be at church at least once a week if you're not a once a week person. If you're a once a week person, make a commitment. I'm going to come to church and Bible study. If you're a two a week, level up. I'm going to come to three times a, a week. I am going to do something different. I got to get to my part. You see, there's a third bean patch. That's our church. Some of you don't know, but our church, this particular church, is special. Our church in Holly Hills is a miracle church. It's a miracle in how it was founded by our pastor, now gone on to be with the Lord, Pastor R.W. Davis. It's a miracle how this particular building was, was acquired by the organization. I'm not going to go into all the details because I only got so much time. It's a miracle church. Somebody had come along and they did all the work. Setting up the standards, the landmarks, digging out the stones and the trees, reaching out to the community, getting the bills paid, reaching into various neighborhoods and bringing people into church. And it meant something to them. Sometimes Reverend Keckle will come and he'll say, you know that little gold up there around the, the, uh, the top of the pillars? He said, we were up there scraping and, and putting on that gold peel paint up there to make it special. When he comes and he looks at that, that was 40 years ago. And it means something to him, that little bit up there, because they sacrificed and they worked. And others would come and look at the, 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 uh, the drapes and they say, man, that's nice. It, it meant something because they spent $5,000 putting those drapes up. Or a PA system that's sometimes flaky, but it meant something because they paid people money to come and, and do all these things to get it going. And, and yes, there are times. i got to get on a little bit further. Someone planted, watered, weeded, and defended our bean patch. And yet, it's been handed to us. We've been blessed with it. And here's the thing. Sometimes... We can be tempted to take it for granted. We've got a beautiful building we walked into. You get into a bean patch and it's already, you know, got a harvest going. And if there's a little enemy that comes, you're tempted to say, man, forget this. Because you weren't the one that dug it out. You weren't the one that set up the landmarks. You weren't the one that, that worked and, and, uh, and removed all of the weeds and fought against the enemies coming in and, and made sure it was fertilized and watered and, and took care of it over and over again so that there could be a harvest. And you see, those of us who've been around a little bit longer, we're not just laboring for ourselves because I want to hand up the baton on to my son, to the next generation. I want them to have something. Now listen, I've got to find my notes on this. In our church, this miracle church, we've experienced great blessings. There have been times that we've had over 500 people in the house of God. There have been times from here some of our members have gone on to pastor churches, work on the mission field. Serve as ministers' wives and workers in the ministry. But as I shared last night, every good story isn't just 
a smooth sailing upward. Every good story has an adventure, a land to go to, a monster to overcome, a treasure to find, a safe return home. Well, we've had some monsters to fight against, haven't we? We, like every church in probably in America, has had to fight against COVID and experienced a downturn. And so we have had times, we've had over 500 for special occasions, times we've averaged over 200 on a regular basis, but recently that's not been the case. And we can sit and sulk and boo-hoo, or we can rise up and build again. Now here's the thing. Sometimes when all these things come, it's easy to be like all those folks that fled. Because it's hard work to pull out the, the new roots that have grown in there. It's hard work to roll out the stones. It's hard work to fight against the, the things that have come. To one more time get inspired when you've lost the inspiration. To get motivated when you've lost the motivation. But if you don't stand for it, who will? If you won't fight for your church here in St. Louis, who will? I've made up my mind. I'm going to fight for it. I'm going to stand for it. And I'm hoping, I know God's going to stand, and I'm hoping that there'll be somebody else that'll come and say, Pastor, I got your back. Pastor, I'll fight with, not with you, I'll fight alongside you. Amen. So how are we going to do this? Get ready, musicians. What can I do in this upcoming year to fight for my church? I want to challenge you for 90 days, 90 days, between now and March 31st, I want to challenge you. What can we do? Let's set a goal to build again. Let's set a goal. If we haven't averaged 200, let's make it a point that in the next 90 days we'll have consecutive Sundays with over 200 people in attendance. Amen? How can I do that? Now, I'm gonna, I've already got personal plans, but here's my challenge to you. Can you do this? Can you invite two people a day? That's not hard. Get some cards and say, you know what, I want you to come to my church. Now you could say that's difficult, that's hard, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm shy, it doesn't take much. I know some folks that even take the card and they'll put it by a, a public place because they're too shy to invite somebody. I want to ask you to level up. Give it into someone's hand. If you invited, if we all invited two people every day for the next 90 days, I believe, I believe in the next 90 days we could see consistently 200 in the house of God. You say, well, what good does that do? That makes our church stronger. That makes it a, the ability for us to do more. What if we would show up to church, level up. If you're, if you're an occasional service attender, make it every Sunday. If you're a Sunday attender, add a service. Purpose to be on time. What if you started to give regularly, systematically? The preacher, there you are talking about money. Listen, it takes money to pay the bills. Money to do something for God. I have a goal. Some of you have asked, hey, we're going to, we, you talked about doing the carpet down there. I did. And people gave, I think there's maybe two or $300 that have been given for the carpet. It's going to cost about eight grand. 
So what have you done with that money? It's just sitting there, but I can't spend two or $300 for eight grand. Amen. And so I said, let's do something different. Let's in this next 90 days, let's purpose to set aside $5,000 in a building fund. Amen. I'm not all from you. It's not one big fat cat, although if you are a fat cat out there thinking, where can I spend this five grand? You just got your answer, amen? (laughs) But if a bunch of us skinny cats gave regularly, consistently, systematically, it's 2023. What if you, if you don't have, now again, don't go down if you're above, but if you don't have a Sunday night budget offering, what if you made, all right, I'm going to pledge $23, 2023, $23 every Sunday night, Amen. And then we could build. Are you still with me? We could build. Let's make it a priority to invite someone, to pray, to to level up. And I know my time is over. We're getting ready. Do you hear that clock? Tick, tick, tick. That's the beating of the pulse of eternity. Do you hear that clock? Tick, tick, tick. It's the footsteps of death pursuing us. Not necessarily bad. We all have to leave this life. But I want to do something while I'm here. I don't want to be that crowd that's running because it's hard. I don't want to be that crowd that's given up because it's difficult. I don't want to be that, and please, I hope you don't want to be that church member that says, let the preachers take care of it. But why don't you join me and let's take a stand. Let's fight for our bean patch, this church. Let's fight for our bean patch in our hearts. Let's fight for the bean patch of this world and say, God, I'll be a part. Heads bowed, eyes closed. You're here today, God is dealing with your heart, would you make yourself available to him? Reverend Tuig, would you come? He's going to lead us in the altar call. But I believe that God wants you to come and surrender yourself to him.